Welcome back to episode 70 of Respawn Aim Fire, the w- irreverent kick-ass... Hey, what? Wait, welcome back to episode 70? This is the first episode 70. We're just starting it right now. Welcome Hold back on. to Respawn Aim Shut Fire, up. Chad. I had that same thought as I was saying it, but I was like, we're already in. I'm not going to re-record this. So welcome to episode <laughs> 70, Mr. Back. Uh, we are the irreverent kick-ass gaming podcast, formerly known as Split Screen Gaming Podcast. My name is Chad Michael Ennis, and across the United States for me, I have... I forgot my name. You do that every time and no one laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> but they laughed at me because I'm an asshole. Holden, what's your name? <laughs> my name, I guess it's Holden. You just told me it's Holden, so it's Woo! Holden. Welcome to the world, Holden DePardo. Oh, thanks, Little Chad. baby Holden DePardo. We'll make up a last name right now. Nine pounds, eight DePardo. ounces, nine 17 pounds, inches. Is that a lot for a baby? I've never had a baby. You've never had a baby? Chad, no. get on that. You need to have a baby. What's normal baby weight? I don't know. I was like six pounds, eight ounces, I think. I don't know. Whenever people, you know, like when you're in middle school and you're fat and they're like, oh, it's just baby weight. It, you'll grow out of it. Yeah. Does that mean that it's just another nine pounds, eight ounces that you'll grow out of? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, I was a fat middle schooler. I All am right, just everyone. a fat man. We've, <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff tonight. A little stuff tonight, but also a lot of stuff tonight. We're going to talk about our reactions to Resident Evil, which was our bar for the month. Backlog, accomplishments, respawn, and friends. That's coming up at the end. Uh, We've got our main topic tonight of biggest gaming disasters. But, and, by the end of this episode, one of you guys will be $20 richer. (gasps) Woo! Stay tuned. But for now... We're I don't even with, know who it is. I'm excited. I don't know who it is. Well, I don't know who it is yet either. We're going to literally have Siri tell us live. Oh, ooh, Siri will yeah, tell us? Siri's Do we have a third member of the podcast? We have a third member of the podcast, and it's Siri when she occasionally goes off because she thinks I said the trigger phrase. Hey, Siri. She might have even just heard that. HomePod is good, you guys. All right, but hold on. We're going to start LOL, today with our Chad cold open. HomePod. I have two HomePods. <laughs> and even, even funnier. Fantastic. <laughs> Steam users are leaving the platform. The apocalypse ha- apocalypse has come. The world is imploding. <laughs> Holden, give me some details on this. Well, I don't know if it's quite that serious, but since January, uh, Steam users have dropped by 17%, which is actually a pretty big uh, number. It is a concerning size and how many people have dropped off, but there's a few reasons that we're seeing as to why that's occurring. Um, For starters, it's a normal trend. So last year, from January to summer, they dropped 9%. So they usually see a a drop-off in this time frame. It just happens to be bigger than it usually is. But a lot of it, I think, has to do with... Almost double. Yeah, it's almost double. Uh, A lot of it, I think, has to do with there's better competition against Steam in a way there hasn't been before. Absolutely. I think that's the bigger reason for this. I think Valve probably anticipated this. They're still going to make a killing. But you have services like uh, Good Old Games, which is GOG. And then you have EA Origins Access Premier as well, I think, um, uh, which is the newest one. GOG, Good Old Games, that one's probably more of more contributing to this, considering yeah, EA I think Origins so Access yeah. Premier just launched like last week. Yep. Um, I'm saying they have, yeah. well, they have, I'm saying they have competition that's growing yeah, now. They do. But yeah, so like with good old games, they don't put DRM on their games, which is a big thing. So you could yeah. be playing just your games in your PC still just offline completely. Yeah. Or off of Steam completely, I mean. PC is dying. 
PC is dead. It's a dying breed. <laughs> it's all gonna be go to 3ds. That's what it is. Everyone's oh, moving to 3ds you. now. I would rather play <laughs> on seven PCs at the same time. You play, play on seven 3DS. PCs at the same time. Just kidding. I, I can't say that because we're gonna play our 3ds in the future. So yeah, yeah we've we've discussed things coming up in the months ahead. That uh, is so... disgusting. <laughs> So I don't. I'm not concerned about the Steam drop, like no. for PC gamers. I don't think it's concerning at all. What? What? The reason I'm not concerned is because they've had nearly a monopoly for over a decade. Yeah, exactly. The other side of this too is I. I'm just curious. This kind of just occurred to me right now. How much do you think Microsoft's pushing into PC gaming more has impacted this? Like with Xbox Play Anywhere, you have to buy it from the Windows Store. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. If that's actually a factor. I mean, Steam has been investing in getting uh, uh, television setups, the big picture mode, that kind of thing. Playing games on a TV is something that people want to do, whether they're PC gamers or console gamers. Yeah, but how many Microsoft exclusive games are on on PC? It's it's the going back and forth between a your PC wherever you want that setup and your TV Xbox experience. I think is is the draw there. I don't yeah, think it's an exclusive for what, game though. Gears of War, Judgment, and Sea of Thieves. No, I'm just saying, but just any game that you can get on PC. You're right. You're true, Ka. You're true. Yeah. That, that's At least that falls under the Play Anywhere banner, but yeah. you can uh, get it. Is that, are, are there other are there third parties taking place in Play Anywhere, or is it all just first-party stuff? I would assume. I think it might just be first-party. You can you tell think? that we're both very experienced with PC and Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> Fez D is rolling his eyes right now at us. No, he hates <laughs> Xbox, too. No, but he loves PC. We are all proud Sony ponies, and you are a Switch bitch. <laughs> I just made that up right now, but it's so brilliant. I, you know, I like that rhyme so much. I, I will bitch. call myself a Switch bitch. Oh man, and I want you to be like hanging out behind, and like in an alley, in a crop top t shirt, smoking a cigarette, making judging yeah, that, sentences that, about other that's people. Not a, that's not a bitch. That's a whore. That's a very different. Thing. <laughs> all right, you're a Nintendo whore. <laughs> That's also true. That's also valid. Moving on, Chad. Switch, bitch. God, I'm so brilliant. <laughs> I guarantee um. you. I'll call it right now. Chad will post a little, you know, blurb on Twitter, the little picture he always does, with quote calling me a switch, bitch. <laughs> That's what's going to be this week. We're all Sony ponies, and you're a little switch, bitch. Yep, there it is. We figured <laughs> it out. Chad, tell me about the games you've been playing on your Switch, you bitch. Playtime with Chad. I did not intend to say my name that way. I apologize. <laughs> I was wondering what the silence was. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> um, Playtime with Chad this week includes the following. We're going to start you off with a light appetizer. <laughs> oh, my God, Chad. Of Rick and Morty virtual Rickality. Rickality is not a word. It's, it's a lightweight crunchy okay i'm done i'm done with the the seven course meal analogy uh yeah i played rick and morty virtual reality it was on sale like two weeks ago i bought it downloaded it played with psvr did um, you laugh ever is it here's funny the, here's the thing i'm comparing this mostly to accounting plus which is another game by justin Rowland, the makers of rick and morty virtual reality and rick and morty um i did not enjoy this game Ooh. I did not enjoy this game, and I think the reason why, this was actually a close-to-launch game for Oculus a long time ago, and it just now, this summer, got ported to PSVR. 
Was it just a bad port? No, I don't think it was a bad port, but it was just like a lot of the intro P or intro virtual oh, reality games. Where I it's, see. it's it not was, interesting gameplay for VR anymore. Exactly. It it yeah. is a lot of doing chores for Rick in his garage. He oh, like, that sounds horrible. Let's use the word chores. Uh, yeah, it's welcome to like, virtual reality. This battery. Where you can avoid your chores by doing chores. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and I it wasn't it wasn't witty enough and wasn't funny enough and didn't have enough ties to the Rick and Morty universe, which I fucking love, to uh, keep me interested. So I played maybe about an hour of it. I, mean, I guess it's about an hour and a half total, but I played an hour of it, and uh, and retired it. Accounting Plus, however, is their game that they made about a year later. And that game's fucking hysterical. So if you're going to get um, one or the other, definitely get Accounting Plus. Definitely get Plus. Yeah, I think we're at a spot now, especially if you've had VR for a while and you've played a lot of these experiences, like the novelty of, oh my god, I'm picking up this bottle and I can throw it against the wall. <laughs> or holy shit, look at this piece of wood. Isn't that so cool? I know, I sound like I'm from a Rick and Morty cartoon. Rick! Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, no, no, that it's, novelty it's... is worn off, and now I'm like ready for uh, like adventures, like Moss and like Resident Evil and all these kind of things. So yeah, I totally know what you mean. I mean, I, I've talked about my job is on the podcast before, but I'm a brand ambassador for for Oculus. I just see a lot of people using VR, and it is totally true. Like every t- time someone picks something in VR for the first time, it's like, oh my god, this is incredible. But I've seen people say that now. Yeah. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. So I'm like, it's not incredible, but okay. I'm glad you're liking it. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for, for good gaming experiences. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good gaming experiences in VR. Oh, there absolutely if you're going to play, are. If you're gonna play a game in VR that came out at launch, you're not going to really find that probably. Well. Well. Um, yeah. So I played I'm, that. I played Octopus Traveler. About- yeah, that's what I'm curious about. I want to know what you think about Architect Traveler. First of all, how far are you into it? I have played for just under four hours. Okay, so you're still pretty early on, but you've done yeah, a few Yeah, I'm still very early. I've, I've done three storylines. Okay. I Which played ones? Hannet, mm-hmm. because we talked about this last time, because it's basically Aloy from mm-hmm. Horizon. Yep. Uh, Ophelia, the cleric. Good and, choice. And uh, then the scholar, I forgot his name. What oh, I I haven't gotten to him yet. He's the only first chapter I haven't done. Excuse me. Gotcha. Yeah, he's he's got uh the, like all the elemental magic and mm-hmm. can like read enemies' weaknesses and stuff like that. Ooh, cool. Um, I'll say Hana and and uh, Ophelia are two of my go tos. They are fantastic. Yeah, they're pretty great. They're I'm enjoying really great. this game. I'm enjoying this game. I mean, I'm only playing a little bit here and there, just on mm-hmm. on a quick bus ride to work or yeah. on my lunch break or while I'm waiting in line for something and. But uh, as we get into August and I have less to play, I'll probably put a lot of good quality time into it. Yeah, I'm. I think at this point you've definitely gotten a chance to use the the battle system, and with a few players as oh, a few different characters as well now. Yeah, which changes it. What do you think of that battle system? It's great. It is. It is a lot like Bravely Default. Uh, in is the it? strategy I that, that so you good. use, yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot like Bravely Default in the strategy. Mm-hmm. Um. And it, it's great. I think we've talked about it a ton. Yeah, I've gone very in depth with that last week. I think, but I just was curious what it, you thought of the. It's so fucking gorgeous, the though. The lighting. Oh my god! Yeah. All the the two D, like sprites and sixteen bit graphics in that three mm-hmm. D space with the beautiful yep. lighting is just like it's so good. And the music, the soundtrack, 
Mm. Oh, the yeah, only thing the I'm not digging very, so very far, brilliant. I'm not digging the voice acting so far. Yeah, I wish. Can you turn it off? I don't even know if you can turn it off or not. I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but I mostly just speed through it. Yeah, there's. I won't ruin, but I'll kind of hint at it in uh, one in the dancer's storyline. Oh, it's um, ruined now. It's, <laughs> there's <laughs> one character, and his voice is so obnoxious, and everything he says is just over the top and it's it's very obnoxious but if it didn't have the voiceover it would have been fine yeah 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 well I'm, and then, i uh, finally hear... my last one was uh, resident evil but we'll talk about more of that at in our end game yes for barf. um i want to hear more about octopus traveler too as you continue playing that because i'm i'm gonna uh, to invest a lot more time in that now that i've kind of played a few of the games that i've been wanting to get through yeah oh man hold on yeah. Speaking of not having much to play in August, mm-hmm. oh, I've made a huge mistake. What's that? September 7th, we all know the the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Spider-Man. <laughs> he is descending upon the earth in Chicago, Illinois, on my PS4 Pro Spider-Man edition at Best Buy on North Avenue. And I will not be in Chicago, Illinois to play it. <laughs> I will be on vacation from September 5th through the 13th, and I'll have to wait a whole goddamn week to play that game. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. Wait the week. Don't try to change your pre-order to a different location. Oh, no, I no, did, no, 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 Remember no, no, my no. Switch situation? I, I, I tried that, and I almost lost. I did lose it, and they were nice enough to give me one anyway, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to try it. I'm just going to have to Yeah, don't, like, don't risk it. Best Buy has a... Terrible infrastructure in their back end for that kind of stuff. It's On the horrible. 7th of September, I'm just going to beat my head in with a rock <laughs> so that I get amnesia and forget that it exists. I'm going to text you pictures of Spider-Man all day long. I hope they're the whole week. <laughs> I hope that? they're pictures of you naked in a Spider-Man mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Chad, oh, you um, switch, bitch. What did you play? I played, so I, I wrote in my note originally, Hollow Knight, beaten. Because like, ah, it's the final boss. I'll beat it before the week is over. And I never beat it because I just got distracted running around trying to 100% complete it before I go to the boss. So at this point, I'm like basically done with the game. I just have a few small things I have to do. Is it your game of the year so far? Absolutely game of the year so far. Um, I want to play do God of in this War. <laughs> I know, I'm going to play God of War. Uh... But yeah, Hollow Knight's incredible. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. i just saying I'm at the final boss. I'm about to beat him. But I don't want to beat him because I don't want it to end. Aww. So that's what I'm with Hollow Knight. But I played another game this week besides Resident Evil HD. I played No Man's Sky next. Go on. Um, I've been open about how I get the criticism for that game. I understand it. Don't blame anyone for not liking that game a lot. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was a great game, but I had a fun time with it. The novelty kind of wore off after a while. Tell and me what's different in Next. Now this Next update's out. So I wanted to avoid saying this because everyone's been saying this, but it's so true in that this is the game that it should have been released as originally. Two years later. All right. Two years later, yeah. So they really have done a great job of... Adding things for you to do, I can't, I actually really feel like I have too many options of things to do right now where I don't know what I want to, to do next, what step I want to take, what technology I want to invest in next. But it's still basically the same game. The core of the game is still you are traveling from planet to planet, 
getting resources to travel further in, in the galaxy. But over the past few updates, they've added like a whole story. They've added base building and freighters and all the stuff. And what this update does is change everything. Like everything <laughs> got changed. What this story, what this update does is turns it into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. <laughs> Every Literally resource name game. has changed. So I'm not like when I went into this and I'm like, oh, I need to get plutonium to fill up my ship. And I'm like, there's no plutonium anywhere. What the hell? There's no plutonium. You can't use plutonium. It doesn't exist anymore. You got to find carbon and then um, you can fuel your ship that way. But you can also combine carbon with something else to make like uh, your your jet your uh, your jet fuel to put in your ship. There's different methods of of crafting now so you have like refining tools you have to use so for something um what was i was trying to make um i had to um get chromatic metal and you do that by finding copper and then running it through a refiner so they're kind of adding different um parts to um to the game so like for example i needed to get silver but i was finding silver very hard to get but when i was fighting enemies i got something called i think it was called a lumen back and i realized if i put the lumen through the ref, um the, the refining process it would turn into silver and that's how Hot. i was kind of getting silver so like I'm, i was kind of finding different ways of doing things i was used to doing before but the refining is actually kind of nice because it allows you to multitask so you put something in the refiner you have to put fuel in the refiner and then you have to say i want to change this into that and then it'll take us like a few minutes for it to happen depending on how much you put in and how much you want to get completed. So in that case, when that happens, then I'll say, okay, well, I also need to get carbon so I can combine carbon to make something else. I'll do that while this is refining. So I'm kind of able to multitask a little bit, which is something I haven't been able to do in the game before. But the big change for me this time is that I've actually gotten a freighter. I've never had a freighter before because they were always absurdly expensive. And for some reason, I was able to afford one now. Ooh. And having a, um, I just found a freighter that was really cheap and I bought it. And it's fantastic. Like, it, having a freighter really changes the game a lot. I have so much storage now that, like, the whole, like, resource management being too, um, or having not enough space for anything makes it hard. Not an issue at all anymore because I just keep throwing things up to my freighter and then I keep going to my freighter and then uh, get back to my freighter and then just traveling my freighter around the galaxy as opposed to my lone ship. Tell me so about multiplayer. I haven't touched multiplayer yet. But I, oh, I hear okay. I hear it is not super stable. Really? Because that's su- like, of all the things that I see people are most excited for, like, oh, man, yes, you can finally have all these robust multiplayer things and get coordinates to other people's planets mm-hmm. and join them and fight shit and well, travel together. Well, already happened. So, like, on Reddit and things like that, people have built communities uh, around certain areas of the galaxy in No Man's Sky where, like, they've built structures together. So those little cities and stuff on these planets now because people have gotten together to to build things together what did they add in next um so next how it's changed with the base build i mean first of all the big thing with next is what i said is that everything changed in the background so like how you mine things how you um get things all that has kind of changed in the background a lot of that has changed completely so much so that when i opened up my game uh my ship that had all sorts of technology inside of it that um to like make it go faster or you know be more powerful with my guns, make my guns more powerful. Even in my exosuit and my guns, like all the equipment I've added, it was labeled obsolete and I couldn't use it anymore. So I've actually kind of had to start over again 
because they've reworked everything in the background is what it seems God, like. And I bet you jizzed so hard when you're like, another excuse to do it all again. <laughs> Actually, yes, I <laughs> yeah. did. But um, the other cool thing is the planets are infinitely better. I have yeah, yet to find a planet. I have yet to find a planet yet that I'm like, oh, this is the boring planet. Every planet I've gone to has been unique and interesting. I found a glass planet where the entire surface was made out of like a, a, a glass with like hexagon tiles. So you just like look out and there's like these hills, like rolling hills in the distance with like these weird hexagon panels on them. And then trees kind of coming out of that that have like hexagon leaves that are also made out of the glass material as well. Like there's just some sites that are new that I haven't seen before. It's really, it's so much better. And then you can do base building anywhere as well. And when you start getting into the base building and the freighters, you start getting missions. So you, you'll actually have a mission log to do things in the game. You can even now go to the space stations, which have been totally revamped. They feel a lot more interesting. There's a lot more to do, a lot more people to talk to in the space stations. And they're almost lined up like little malls where like each little kind of station you can go to or a little store you can go to in the quote unquote like mall is different stuff for you to buy or a different race offering you different types of missions for you to complete. So it's kind of feel like everywhere I've gone, there's a lot more options for me to explore. Cool. I'm, I'm super impressed. I'm very, very impressed. But it's also a buggy mess. Does it cost money for you to upgrade to next or is no, that free? No, totally free. It, it is cool. totally free. And that's the Xbox version launches as next, right? Yes. So on Xbox, it's $50. But PlayStation, they are doing a big sale, and it is half off right now. Cool. So it is, And for PlayStation Plus, it's an even bigger discount. So it's less than 30 bucks if you want to get this for PlayStation uh, 4. Cool. And I really th- I think it's worth it now. I think if you had a curiosity about this game, but you were turned off by the bad press, deserved bad press in the beginning, try it. Because I really think that they've done enough to make it worthwhile. They've done enough to, like when they talked about you can treat the universe however you want. Like you can be a traitor if you want to. You can be a pirate if you want to. A scavenger if you want to. All of that is true now. Like if I want to be a traitor, I can go to one solar system and realize that I can buy things for cheaper there and then travel somewhere else to sell them at a higher price. So like I can do a trading deal. Or if I wanted to be a scavenger, I can fly around and I can find these like crashed freighters and there's all these cargo um, buried under the ground as the freighter crashed. And I have to dig them out and then kind of fix the, um, the lock mechanism to open up the cargo pod and then take what's in there. So there's just there's a lot of different ways to approach it. I'm uh, I really like it, and I totally see myself investing dozens of hours into this. Play God of War. I know. Play God of War. But I can go see. I can make a spaceship, and I can make oh, a fleet. Man. I can have a fleet of freighters, Chad. I have three freighters right now. It's so cool. Well, I have a, a freighter and two frigates, but. Well, Holden, thanks for updating us on what you played. You mentioned some sales going on, and there are some sales going on for th- games that are coming out this month. And by sales, I mean they are on sale for full price. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to know what on sale means. Uh, they are for sale. That, here we the go. The word sale helps the translation between the two concepts. <laughs> uh, the beginning of every month, we do a segment called What Are You Buying? Man, it's a very Resident Evil-centric episode today. 
<laughs> what are you buying? Um, let's talk through some Resident big releases coming out this month. There's actually a yeah. lot of things, not so much that I'm interested in, but a lot of big titles that I know a lot of people love. Yeah, absolutely. Starting out today, August 1st, as we record this episode, Yakuza 0 comes to the PC. Ooh. To the dying PC. <laughs> August 3rd, WarioWare Gold comes to the Nintendo 3DS. Woo! This is the uh, the one that they announced at the Direct. It's not like a port, right? No, it's uh, it's like the Mario Party 100 game yeah, where you yeah, just kind of yeah, take yeah, the best yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. the franchise and put it all in there. On August 7th, Dead Cells comes to PC, Mac, Linux, and Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox. This one's piqued my interest. It's like a Dead Metroidvania. Cells? Yeah. I haven't heard about it. You haven't heard about it? Look up some screenshots right now while I'm talking through this stuff. No, I'm not going to do that. Great, because the same day, August 7th, Overcooked 2 comes to PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox. Yeah, I'm buying that one. the shit out of that shit. You've already bought it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I bought it. I'm getting that one. Layton's Mystery Journey Director's Cut comes to Nintendo Switch. You're a Layton fan, right? Yeah, I'm not a huge Layton fan, but I like the games. I've played a few of them. I I assume by director's cut means this is a remaster or a re-release. I honestly haven't even heard about this. Um, let me look that up. Actually, no, I didn't even know that they were doing this. I'm not going to let you do it. I'm doing it right on now. August 9th. Monster Hunter World comes to the PC, the dying PC. <laughs> August 9th, also Okami HD comes to Nintendo Switch. It's like the it's this is the new Skyrim. Comes out on everything. And mm-hmm. then uh, Yakuza 3 that same day, Yakuza 3 HD, comes to PS4. I didn't realize those were PS4 exclusives. Y- uh, Yakuza? Yeah. Yakuza. Yeah. The next day, August 10th, Madden NFL 19, PC, PS4, Xbox One, and We Happy Few comes out. I'm going to keep my eye on that one. Yeah, as am I. I'm curious how that's going to do, considering it must have piqued Phil Spencer's interest if he bought the studio. Or maybe whatever they have planned next. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on that one, and, and that might become a game that I play in August. The Walking Dead Final Season Episode 1 comes out on August 14th. Telltale game. This is, I believe, the last one on their crappy engine before they move to Unity. Wait, it says Walking Dead Final Season 1? I abbreviated it. It's episode one. Oh, okay. I'm like the final first season, episode final one. season. <laughs> uh, uh, the Layton game, by the way. Um, there was a Layton game uh, that came out on 3DS, iOS, and Android um, featuring a different character. Uh, it's Layton's daughter. It's just a version of that game that's coming to Switch. Great. I know you care, Chad, so I wanted to fill you in. August 14th, World of Warcraft, Battle for Azeroth coming to PC and Mac. That game, I am so blown away by how crazy huge that audience still is. That's awesome. Of course. It's one of the most addictive games ever made. As Holden says, Shenmue 1 and 2. Shenmue comes to PC, PS4, Xbox One. August 28th, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate Nintendo Switch port comes out. As does... Pro Evolution Soccer 2019 on everything but Switch and Yakuza Kiwami 2 on PS4. I know it says Kiwami, but I always think Kiwi. <laughs> so I always think Yakuza Kiwi. Yakuza Kiwi. Yakuza Kiwi. It's not that at all. It has nothing to do with Kiwis. I just think that when I see that term. Hold um, on. What are you getting on that list? What are you buying? 
Well, I'm definitely, I mean, I already bought Overcooked 2, so I'm definitely getting that. Really interested in Okami HD. Yeah. I've never played Okami. I've heard good things about it. I know very little about it. But if a game comes to every single console ever made after it's initially released, it's probably because it's a good game. Yeah. So I want to play that. It's also only $20. Ooh. Yeah. So like, if it was a $50 game, I'm like, nah, I don't think so. I know how old that game is. But 20 bucks, I can do that. Um, but other than that, like like you, I'll keep an eye and be happy for you. But I don't know if I'm going to buy that. Um other than that, like WarioWare Gold, maybe, because I do like the WarioWare games. But I've never, like, I've never loved it to the point where, like, I've played every single one. And I also kind of want to vote with my dollar and not buy a 3DS game that's new. Yeah. Because I don't want to encourage Nintendo to do that. I also think WarioWare actually makes a lot more sense on mobile than it does on any of Nintendo's actual consoles. It's a series of micro games. You're a micro game. No, WarioWare is. And that makes more sense to me on mobile than it does on anything else. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm going to buy that game because I don't think it's on the right console. But I've heard good things. So I think I'm going to definitely get... <laughs> what are we talking about? What the goddamn name is that? Overcooked. Yeah. Definitely going to get Overcooked too. Um, I'm getting gonna, on I'm gonna Switch. Keep my eye so on Dead Cells. Yes, I'm getting on Switch. You stupid Switch bitch. <laughs> Gotta get Dead Cells. Maybe I'll see how the reviews come in, but it's definitely interesting to me. And then, uh, did you read about the Dead Cells developer Motion Twin this week? There was an article out that said they're a game company where they have no boss and everyone gets the same exact pay no matter what they do at the company. I don't know how to read, so I don't know. No makes sense yeah. uh, and then yeah i'll just keep my eye on we happy few that's probably about it wait what studio says that doesn't have a boss yes oh my god will you listen to anything <laughs> you didn't see this article i think it was maybe i kotaku does everything but maybe it's kotaku maybe game industry.biz or something like that um yeah they the company that makes this right now it's in early access on pc but it the company has no boss and no matter what role you have in the company you get paid the exact same. So if you are a level designer or if you're an artist or if you are a voice actor, like you get paid the exact same. Everyone does. Well, I guess maybe they don't have voice actors for this game, but how do they handle, you know, like pay raises or like an HR department is like an authority. Well, I guess if they make there. a certain amount of money then they just divide it by the number of employees. Interesting. It it was on Kotaku. Motion. I, I want to look into that. I'd be very curious to see if that's successful or not in the long term. Kotaku. That's Nathan cool. Grayson wrote it called "Game Studio with No Bosses Pays Everyone the Same." Yeah, that's what's coming out is, this week. Does I mean this month? Are all enemies in their in their games also? I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> we don't fight on this podcast, so I'm going to stop you before I yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> before I say something really stupid that just makes you hate me that much more. Oh, Holden, let's Dad. open up our quest log and see what the internet has provided for us. Tell us what our well, first quest comes from. Well, uh, Major Nelson of Xbox uh, has announced we have some new Xbox Game Pass titles. I bet he's not even in the military. I don't think so. I think he's at Microsoft. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're an idiot, but also I'm so stupid. (laughs) 
I don't think so either. I think he's a Microsoft. <laughs> you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did he say? Well, Major Nelson announced a few <laughs> games. He says that Rise Son of Rome is coming to Xbox Game Pass, as is Hitman Season That's 1. That's not a good game. <laughs> Rise Son of Rome? No, it's not. No, we talked list, about that a while ago. Only one of these games is something I'm like, oh, that sounds appealing. Hitman Season 1, very cool, it's on Game Pass. Everything else I don't care about. Ruiner, don't even know what that is. Dead Rising 2, don't care. The Escapist, The Walking Dead Edition, I don't like The Walking Dead, don't care. And Dandara, whatever that is. Dead Rising 2 is not bad. Oh, Dead Rising 2. Um, I don't. I just don't want to play zombie games. <laughs> we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, then we have the free PlayStation Plus games for August. So those are coming to Game Pass if you have that. If you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, you get Mafia 3 on PS4, that game I'm that everybody was really excited that. for. I want to try it. Nobody ended up liking. What was that? I mean, no one ended up liking it, you're saying? Oh, I... no. Apparently it was a, uh, a great, gorgeous version of New Orleans, and it was really interesting, but then they fucking dropped it with the story. And yeah, I've heard sucked. the story is good, but I don't think the other parts of the game are that bad. That's what I remember hearing all the... Uh, Review saying, oh. like well, they had this great opportunity too with the protagonist and like everyone being racist against him because you're a black guy in New Orleans in the South, mm-hmm. and yeah, everything was like they had an opportunity, but it it fucking tanked. Well, I mean it's free for us. So I'll try it. It is free. Dead by Daylight also comes to PS4. Bound by Flame is free on PS3. Serious Sam three BFE. My brother used to play a lot of Serious Sam. Um, Draw Slasher on PS Vita and Space Hulk on PS Vita. Space Hulk. There is a game called Here They Lie coming to as like your PlayStation VR temporary three month thing that they've been doing for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's coming to PSVR from August 7th through October 2nd. That that sounds familiar to me. I don't know why I know about that game. I might even have it. Who knows? I don't know. Um, what is this knowledge is power? Oh, I that's the PlayLink game. The what? It's a PlayLink game. The one oh. you play with your phones. So, so I guess again, I'm not playing on that list. August seventh through November sixth. It's like a you know a party type thing. Yeah, no, I know what it is. I know. What yeah. It is. Why does your mom hate you? Yep. Nice. Yep. Nice. The most important news of the week, though, Chad, is that Nintendo Labo vehicle kit is coming out September fourteenth. You know, you make jokes, but it might just be. You think this is the biggest news story of the week? <laughs> no. I don't think so. Okay. I think it's cool, but no. I don't even think it's cool. I think it's Nintendo Labo. <laughs> That's what I think about it. <laughs> I think it's cool that it exists, and in a year yeah. or two, I will definitely get it for my niece. It does It does show that Nintendo believes in Nintendo Labo. They've already come out and said it sold above what they were expecting. Yep. We'll actually get to the sales of that. We actually have a You get on submarine, that. a plane, a pedal, two keys, and more. So the two $70. keys is kind of cool, actually. You put the key in the ignition of whatever uh, vehicle you want to drive in the game. So if nice. you take the key out of your car and you put it in the plane instead, you're in the plane now. Great. That's kind of cool. Fucking great. Because everyone knows that planes take keys. Do they? Do planes have keys? I mean, I, I don't know. I've never flown, flown a plane before. But funny story, now that we're on that topic. Uh, when I was six, no, it was seven. It was 2000. So before uh, 9-11, this would never happen after 9-11, I got to go into the cockpit of a plane as a kid and oh. program everything. So he told me, like, hit this button, hit that button. I got to do that. It's pretty cool. And I don't remember seeing a keyhole. 
I wonder if, how many of our listeners remember what it was like before 9-11. Pepperidge Farm remembers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Pepperidge Farm will never forget anything. Moving on, moving on, or moving on, or moving on. <laughs> what is our game potato? Our game potato of the week is that. Uh... <laughs> so I, I'll, let me preface. I added this story just as like a normal story, and then I read the story and was like, "Oh my god, this is so fucking stupid." Sorry. Before the joke of Pepperidge Farm leaves everyone's heads, I want to. I know what you did last summer remake, but with like goldfish and cookies as the killer, and it's just called Pepperidge Farm Remembers. <laughs> Starring Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yes. So Elon Musk announced that they're going to have Atari Easter eggs in the next uh, Tesla software update coming out in about a month. And they're going to include games that you could play on the Tesla. They're talking about including Pole Position, Tempest, and Mission Command. I'm sorry, a Missile Command initially. Um, this is the part that made me go, this is a really fucking horrible idea. And that is... While you're not driving your car in pole position, you can use your steering wheel to control it. <laughs> I don't think the steering wheel should be used for anything besides staying on the road. That seems well, to be... This is while you're parked. I know it's while you're parked, but, like, I don't want to see some idiot who's at a red light turn his car off so he can play pole position with his steering wheel. You know why you'll never see that? Because no one's going to play these games. No one's going to play these games, which also is another reason why it's on Game Potato. Because why is this a priority for Tesla, of all the things? From flamethrowers to baby submarines to Atari games on your car steering wheel. Yep. Fun stuff. Great. Chad, well, let's, let's move get on some to some bigger the, stuff. Yeah, let's get to the oh real stuff. Oh my god, stories. we had the same brain sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we finished each other's sandwiches. There's some uh, some very coincidental, I guess, you know, end of quarter stuff. Very coincidental um, numbers released by two different companies at the same time. How are the numbers coincidental? Do you just mean that they happen to have their financial I mean, yeah, reports? The, the no, time? exactly. That's what I meant oh, to say. Okay. And I said, I'm like, quarter what's the connection between the numbers, You know Chad? how good I am at transitions. <laughs> Chad's the little Rain Man over there. He's got like, all these numbers going around. He sees the connection between the numbers. Rain Man or guy. Rain Man? Rain Man. But in a, in the smarts part of him where he's good with the numbers. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sony you, Chad. <laughs> has announced that 82.2 million units of PlayStation 4 has been shipped, which includes 3.2 this right, shipped, not sold. Yeah. Which is uh just 3.2 million was this quarter. It has officially surpassed the PlayStation 3, which they I believe they stopped reporting after about 80 million. Mhm. Revenue Actually, is up. I'm pulling up my numbers sheet because I have a comparison of all the consoles. Oh, okay. But I don't have the most recent era, I don't think. I, but I do have the PS3 era. Well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to mention that revenue is up due to growing software sales. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as more games are available, people can buy more shit. People can buy more shit. Um, and PlayStation Plus dipped slightly down yes, to 33.9 million subscribers. a number on that. So the article says it dipped slightly, and it's at 33.9. I'm assuming they mean the growth dipped, because that's higher than like the 32 they announced earlier in the year, right? Was it 32 earlier in the year, they said? It might have been, like, compared to PY, compared to the previous year. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe it was growth. I don't know. Who the fuck knows about financial stuff? <laughs> if so, you're an Excel spreadsheet whiz, 
Why are you listening to this? PlayStation 3 hit 80 million units like in the last portion of 2012, like the end of 2012. So seven years into the, into the cycle. When did they stop manufacturing? They Two stopped manufacturing, ago? yeah. Not last year, last year. Last year. Yeah. So, yeah, it's doing better by a few years, the PS4. Yep. Nintendo Switch, bitch. Tell me about some Nintendo sales. Yeah, so Nintendo had uh, some announcements as well. They said that they've sold 19.67 million consoles uh, in total, and then they've sold 1.88 million units in the first quarter of this year, which is down slightly from 1.97 million units last year, but that was also launched last year. So I think that's actually pretty good how close it is. And also for any of you guys listening out there who don't know, first quarter for most gaming companies is April through June. Yeah. Um, and then there are further, blah, totally blank there, for their game sales have been through the roof. So they've sold 17.96 million uh, games, which is a 120% increase. But again, they have a lot more games out for Switch to sell than they did last year at the same time. Right. Last year, this was basically launch quarter. Exactly. So I expected those numbers to be better. I'm surprised that the Switch didn't sell more, however, in the first quarter. Their goal is to get 20 million by the end of uh, by the end of March next year, I believe. 20 million additional because they're additional, at almost yeah. 20 now. Yeah, yeah. So the 20, yeah, they only yeah. want to sell like a hundred thousand more, so. <laughs> like what thirty thousand more. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so I found something else interesting. Yeah. The highest selling console this month was the NES Classic. Yeah. Beating out the Switch, the PS4, Xbox million One. Units. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I want to finish my thought, though, on the um, Switch sales. Well, then fucking finish it. Really quickly. No, so the Switch sales are lower this quarter. Keep in mind that their they're target of 20 million sold, they're going to get m- the vast majority of that in in December. So like yeah. I'm pulling up um going to my, my back to the PS3 here thing here, right? So like years we'll get year 7, okay? Uh, we'll look at year 3. So in like year 3 in the middle of the year from like February to like October, like that kind of middle large chunk there, they yeah. never break 700,000. Oh, except for once in June. Son of a bitch. November and December combined is over three and a half million so they do much bigger numbers in just those two months november december than they do the remainder of the year their biggest months for every console ever are always november december january yep so that's when if switch is going to reach that 20 million they're going to hit it at the very end of the year duh all them november december january just saying, Chad. I'm just I know, saying. I know, I know, I know, I know. Just a super saying. Just a super saying. I'm not a super saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Chad, what's our last story of the week here? Our last story of the week is Richard Marks, who's been at Sony since 1999. Yeah. Has left to join Google's rumored. Is this still rumored? Is it confirmed? I don't know. Their console division. We don't it's quite hard. know what the console division is, but so, it's rumored as a streaming platform. Console division is what the article 
uh, stated, but the actual department is called uh, Google's Advanced Technology and Projects. Ah, great. But that's also um, where Phil Harrison is working, who also used to work at Sony. Yes. Richard Marks is someone who is – he was the head of Magic Lab at Sony, mm-hmm. which was responsible for the PlayStation Move, the iToy, and most notably PSVR. So he's got a lot of kind of that experimental side of PlayStation under his belt, and that is, I guess, going to be a really great help to Google and their gaming efforts. Yeah. So Google Google has said that the um, – they call ATAP, which is Advanced Technology and Projects – is used to solve significant problems and closing the gap between what if and what is. None of that... That sounds like a lot of marketing speak for nothing. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a lot of marketing speak for nothing. But I I would say that solve significant problems isn't playing video games. Like, that's not a significant problem to me. I'm I'm curious how they define significant problems. Significant problem Hmm. would be we want to learn how to stream games which is a significant task for a server field to do or to significant mean we want to feed homeless people like what what's their definition of solve significant problems it could mean anything but well, to as me long that, as they keep it vague when they finally decide what they are gonna do with it they yeah. can be like oh yeah we said that from the beginning duh that's what that meant <laughs> that's what that meant so i predict that the next generation of game consoles will be dedicated to solving significant problems like feeding the homeless that's my guess. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, it'd be great. So it's it's interesting just to see that Google is hiring on a lot of people from the video game industry. They've not said anything, but it's very apparent they're working on something video game related if they're hiring people of that caliber with those skill sets. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. I think it was worth mentioning. Holden, that's the end of our regular old quests. It is the end of our regular old quests. Oh my god, you know what that means. Uh, do we have a main quest? We're moving into our main quest. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the, with kind of No Man's Sky being big in the news, we want to talk about big gaming disasters. Like, what are, like, Quite the, honestly, I think that one takes the cake. I don't think so. No. Ooh. I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. So I'm not including, are you thinking just video games? Or are you also including consoles in here as well? I have a mix of video games, peripherals, and services. Okay. I don't have any services, actually. What's your service? Uh, by service, I, I really mean, like... You can just name the service. We're in the discussion. All right, here we go. Xbox won the whole library. Oh, okay. So it's like the first-party lineup, basically. Yeah, here, let's get into our discussion. So, yeah. one of gaming, I think, biggest disappointments, I believe, is the current state of the Xbox One library. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously had the promise, especially with the launch of Xbox One X, of these huge, bigger, better games. And in fact, there was supposed to be a great lineup of games coming out with the Xbox One X, many of which got delayed or pushed, most notably Crackdown 3. Or canceled. Or canceled, like Scalebound. Uh, and I think that we, obviously as we see a transition period, as Phil Spencer has taken the reins of Xbox, um, a transition period from what Microsoft used to be, or what Xbox used to be, uh, kind of the direction they were heading with, this is the center of your living room, all the stuff that uh, everyone criticized them for and they went back on. But as we see that transition going into something new, and we see now the new direction they're going with the new studios that they bought and the focus on games, obviously there's got to be a, um, a little bit of a lull as those two things happen. Mm-hmm. But I think that 
the promise that the Xbox One had as far as library and the power that it could emit, and nothing really took advantage of it. And I think that's like one of the biggest disappointments, definitely of this generation. Yeah, I can I can do that. I actually had Xbox general, One yeah. launch initial marketing as my one of my biggest disasters. I just think that everything about Xbox One, well, that's not for, not every, but like it's a good product, but it just was never positioned very well, and they totally botched the launch. And I think that's what's caused what we're seeing right now. It's like everything you, know you say, else? I think is, what was that? You know what else? What? You totally said gaming disasters. Mm-hmm. And I saw what I wanted to see and saw gaming disappointments. So mine are going to be slightly, slightly different. In how I wrote it both ways. I wrote okay. it gaming disasters and gaming disappointments. So you're fine. Okay, cool. Holden, tell me, tell me something about what you fucking wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5. Oh, that is right next to the Xbox One library on my list. Oh, do you have the two? Okay, yeah. So what happened here is Activision really had to hold on to the rights of Tony Hawk Pro Skater. So they had to release a game in order to do that. It's they hashed together a game really quickly, but they couldn't quite make launch. So what they did is they released the disc on the last possible day they could to keep the rights with just a tutorial on it. And then, and then released a 17 gigabyte day one patch to add to the game. With garbage inside. Yeah, it was... Look up reviews, watch videos. It is hilarious. It is barely a game. It barely works. Even Tony Hawk said he doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> For Tony Hawk to come out and say Tony Hawk sucks. <laughs> That's a big deal. You seen deal. that Tony Hawk, dude? His game sucks. <laughs> this, Actually, totally true story. Do you remember Matt? Uh, I was just about to tell that story. Yeah. You <laughs> tell the story. Run. I think this is so funny. So uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours once sold Tony Hawk a piece of technology. And when he went to go pay for it, <laughs> he looks at his debit card and he goes, wait a minute. You told me your name was Tony Hawk. This says Anthony Hawk on your <laughs> card. <laughs> oh, man. That oh. guy was really funny. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that, that's the story, yeah. I was thinking about that. See, so yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 is a huge disaster. I think it's really funny just to think that someone bought that game and doesn't have an internet connection. <laughs> they got home and they put the disc in, and they couldn't get the 17-gigabyte patch of garbage. They only got a tutorial. They paid maybe full they price like, for a game to, for a tutorial. Maybe it was like God looking out for them. Yeah, that's, yeah. God's like, look, I'm doing you a favor here. You don't want to play this game. The tutorial is the <laughs> only good thing about it. Uh, next up, I have Mighty Number no. Nine. Interesting. Why Mighty Number no. Nine? I know it Mighty wasn't a big nine. success, but why? So this was Kenji Inafune, the creator of Mega Man, mm-hmm. kickstarted. Actually, I don't remember whether it's kickstarted or uh, Indiegogo. I think it was Kickstarter. Kickstarted a game that was supposed to basically be a spiritual successor to Mega Man without being Mega Man. Uh, and the there were so many promises made, and as they hit stretch goals, they promised more and more platforms. <laughs> And then the game just started radically changing from what they had promised. And there were so many delays and delays and platforms got canceled. And then a couple platforms got released and the rest they had to wait. And it turned out to be a hot pile of trash anyway. So when most, in fact, it's even still like when everything, when something comes out not as expected or as a joke, they're often related to Mighty Number no. 9. You'll see that, you'll hear that a lot mm-hmm. in the gaming industry. So Mighty Number no. 9. Probably the most notable Kickstarter game, and it did not end well for them. 
Uh, I wouldn't say it's the most notable, but okay. What would you say is the most notable Kickstarter game? Star Citizen. Honestly, don't even know what that is. It's made like over $100 million through crowdfunding. And it's that does not hasn't really what yet. the game is. It is it's basically like No Man's Sky, but realistic looking. And oh my god! It's it's the biggest budget for a game ever, and it's crowdsourced. You should look into it. Also, Hollow Knight was from Kickstarter. Money does not mean notable. It's the most money ever made by a Kickstarter. Yes, but that does not mean that it's the most notable. I'd say that makes Mighty it Number pretty Nine notable. is incredibly notorious. Okay. Also, Hollow Knight was uh, funded on Kickstarter. Still not as notable as Mighty Number no. Nine. Okay, well, it's my game of the year, so it's more mo- notable to me. <laughs> Play God of War, goddammit. <laughs> Give me another gaming disaster. Um, the Nintendo PlayStation. Do you know the story? Oh, yeah. Go on. This, I think, is... I think this is the most... Um, important video game behind the scenes story period because uh, this set up everything that we're seeing nowadays with the, the gaming industry as it looks so back in the mid 90s uh cd peripherals uh a cd peripheral was added to the sega genesis was it and nintendo wanted to do something similar so they were going to work with sony to make a cd peripheral for the snes called the playstation the nintendo playstation and they were partnering with sony they're going to announce it at e3 sony made their first presence at e3 uh to actually this is earlier 90s to not mid 90s to uh announce the playstation uh nintendo playstation they were going to announce it at e3 and then before uh after sony announced it Nintendo announced that they were working with Philips for a CD peripheral for the SNES. So it's more of a big disappointment for Sony because Sony was totally backstabbed by Nintendo. And it was because of that moment, that kind of disaster for Sony or that disappointment for Sony, that they wanted to make PlayStation to kind of get back at Nintendo. And uh, it worked. They definitely bested Nintendo. Ouch. I think that's uh, such a fascinating story. Yeah. I just would love to know how it happened. Like, how did Nintendo not tell Sony, hey, by the way, we're not going to... Do you remember, like, I guess it was maybe like a year, year and a half ago, when somebody did find and restore a working prototype of the Sony PlayStation? Oh, really? I mean, the 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 Nintendo PlayStation? PlayStation? That's cool. That's got to be really worth a lot of money. dad's attic or something like that. How does dad get one? They never released he, it. He worked, he worked for them. Like it was oh, a prototype okay. or something like that. Um, the last, I think, one that I want to talk about is, that I have is the Connect. The Connect, mm-hmm. just the promise of it never took off. From the very first showing, back when it was Project Natal, and they showed the, the, the Milo, Milo demo. Yep. yep. People's jaws dropped. Like you could literally, there are shots of Miyamoto with his mouth hanging open while he's watching it, of watching this technology, him interacting with Milo, talking back to it, moving and and seeing that like reflected on the screen. And it's just a technology that no developers gave a shit about. And then they tried to, and the developers are complaining, well, there's not an install base, nobody's buying it. And they're like, great, every Xbox One comes with Connect, and still no one gave a shit, and everyone didn't want to pay the extra hundred dollars. And it just, that, I think, 
Connect single handedly tanked Xbox this generation. Single handedly? And they got us Jet Knight. I think single handed, yeah, because the Connect is what ultimately made it more expensive. They believed in it enough to put it in the box, make it $100 more expensive than PlayStation 4. It was a huge factor, think, but I don't think it's single handedly. The DRM behind the scenes, always online. If you don't want to play online, get a 360 and all got, that stuff. That stuff that. eventually got corrected. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to like raw but sales figures, taste in people's mouth. Listen to me fucking talk. No, we don't argue <laughs> this podcast, so I can only talk. When it comes down to ultimately <laughs> what the uneducated buyer, moms and dads in mm-hmm. Black Friday and stuff like that, they look at the two consoles and they ultimately said, "That one's five ninety nine. That one or four ninety nine. This one's three ninety nine. And they buy the cheaper one. And that's uh, that ultimately is why I believe the cheaper price point is the biggest reason why PlayStation beat Xbox right out of the gate. And the biggest contributing factor to that extra hundred dollars was the connect in the box versus PlayStations that was separate. So I, I think that it was a factor. I'm actually going to pull up my um, uh, the numbers for all the console sales again because if I recall, at least on launch day, PS4 and Xbox One sold the exact same number of of, of units. I don't think that we really saw the big downsides until a little bit later on once kind of the fanboy culture got out of the way and normal people were buying consoles. Let me take a look at that. Um, while I'm looking that up, I'll just kind of rattle through. I had, I had four more other ones, but All right. none of them I really want to delve too much time into. Wii U, obvious disaster. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, Virtual Boy, obvious disaster. Yep. Um, I have a few more. Well, sorry, so... By the end of 2013, Xbox One sold 3 million units and PlayStation 4... Yeah, PlayStation 4 sold uh, just under um, uh, 4.5 million. So, yeah, they did a million and a half more. That's significant. Yeah. And then, of course, you're right there. Like, that's all the fanboys going... It doesn't matter who your allegiance is. Like, it doesn't matter how much it costs. Your allegiance is to one of these two. And then as... Everyone's like, okay, now it's mom and dad's time to wait till the birthday, to wait till sunset, and it's like mm-hmm. they're looking at price. Yeah. Well, it's like when I – this isn't directly related to that, but it's similar. When I was a kid and I wanted to get a PlayStation 2 for Christmas, my parents decided to get me a GameCube instead because it was better for them. Yep. And I'm glad they made that decision in the long run, but – Yeah, they... you would have grown up playing Grand Theft Auto and been a prostitute instead <laughs> of growing up playing Super Mario Sunshine and being Well, no, a that dinosaur. is literally <laughs> the reason why I was not allowed to get a PlayStation 2 is because Nintendo doesn't have Grand Theft Auto. I know they were very protective of me as a kid. Um, the other two I have are old stuff here. Uh, CDI Zelda games. <laughs> what a disaster! Oh man, those are horrible. Wands of Gamelon and uh, Zelda's Adventure. Really terrible games. And then uh, <laughs> the ET, the video game, and the oh, Atari God, yeah. game crash that happened afterwards. <laughs> yep. Um, Atari the game was revoltingly bad. Um, sorry, ET the game was revoltingly bad. Atari was just horrible at quality control for the games that they released on their console to the point where people just stopped buying games because they didn't trust they were going to be good. And that's why Nintendo has the Nintendo seal of approval because if they were going to position video games in America again, they had to show that someone was at least looking out for the quality of the games and that they were actually games. And they also couldn't call it a video game console. They had to call it an entertainment system. Ooh. So Atari totally destroyed video games. Yeah. And they're about to destroy themselves. How funny. Things come full circle. Now, 
They're going to be in the cockpit of every Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> Crashing cars, just like they crashed the video game market. Oh, man. Chad, that's all I got for gaming disasters slash disappointments. Holden, I'm so fucking excited to dive into our end game. Why? Because it starts with a barf. <laughs> Backlog accomplishments with Respawn and Friends. Can you do that gag again? That was really hot. <laughs> I don't think you know the difference between a barf and a gag. Barf is, uh, gag is, uh, that's true. Uh, okay, fine. Whatever. You get my point. You what was our point. barf this month? Resident Evil. And before Resident we talk Evil. about the game and our experience with it, I'm going to give a little bit of background. Resident Evil was released in Japan and North America in March of 1996. A year and a half later, in September of 1997, they released the director's cut. And then a year later, in September of 1998, was released the DualShock version that took advantage of the PlayStation uh, DualShock. This was all on PlayStation. It also eventually came to PC, Sega Saturn, and then eventually the Nintendo DS in early 2006. It is Capcom's... Wait, the DS? The Nintendo DS. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. It is Capcom's best-selling debut game with sales of over 8.5 million copies worldwide. Wow. This was actually conceived by producer Takura Fujiwara as a remake of his earlier horror game called Sweet Home from 1989. Uh, it went through several redesigns. It was actually originally conceived as a Super Nintendo in 19, a Super Nintendo game in 1993, and then as a fully 3D first-person PlayStation game in 1994, and then finally a third-person game with pre-rendered backdrops, which we'll get into in a little bit. I think helps make it look as beautiful as it could be for the time. It was very well received critically and commercially, and is often credited for defining the survival horror genre. In 2002, Boom comes along what a lot of people say is the best remaster of a game, and one of the best games of all time, the GameCube remake, Resident Evil remake. That was released in 2015 as well for modern platforms, like the PlayStation 3, 4, Xbox 360, and Xbox One, and a prequel, Resident Evil Zero, in 2002. One of the it was also one of the first games to be rated M by the ESRB. Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. I thought yeah. Mortal Kombat was, but no, that that was the blood thing in the SNES. Blood, blood. Uh, that was all Mortal Kombat. I might be talking out my ass, but Mortal Kombat and the blood might have been the reason the ESRB was created. That's what it was. No, you're you're right. Uh, in 2002, Resident Evil was made for GameCube as part of an exclusivity agreement between Capcom and Nintendo that spanned three new games. They include remakes and uh, the remakes include a variety of new gameplay gameplay elements, story details, environments, and improved visual and sound. It was also later ported to the Wii. The remake was I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. So there's some context to the game. Really well received, released all over the place. Uh, has an important piece in history as being the defining game for the survival horror genre. Holden. Let's talk about why neither of us finished this game. <laughs> that was a great transition. <laughs> I want you to tell me about your experience and why you didn't finish Resident Evil. Um, so, how do I explain this? So basically what it comes down to is, when you, when you were explaining how they were changing the style of the game from SNES to first person to this third person style, yep. um, knowing that they had to make those kind of changes makes a lot of sense to me. So... What drove me nuts about this was how they handled third uh, 3D and having basically fixed camera angles everywhere. Yeah. 
it drove me absolutely nuts. It is the primary reason that I couldn't stand this game. That that the the fixed camera angles that was what did it for you. It's what did it for me. I couldn't stand the fixed camera angles. That and seriously, it's the only thing. It's the only thing. Sure. I Knowing think, it was a technical limitation, that changes it absolutely. Time. Yeah, definitely. Of course. If so, and this is, um, this is what makes me excited that Resident Evil Two Remake is a third person action game. Hold your thoughts on that. We'll get to that later. Yeah, but that's, my point is that like I I. I get in this mansion, I'm walking around, and the fixed camera angles interferes in two major ways. It interferes in exploration. I didn't realize there were doors in certain areas. I didn't realize that there were corners in certain areas that I could walk around because the fixed camera angle limits so much. It works from a horror perspective because limiting perspective and what you can controlling what you see is generally how directors create atmosphere and tension in movies. So I can see why they did that here. It makes a lot of sense in that context. But when you're exploring and you can't find doors that you want to walk in, um, that's fucking frustrating. The other thing is combat is really boring as a result. Because a lot of the times I'll walk away from a zombie so I can shoot it, but then I'm not seeing what I'm shooting at. Yeah. I'm just kind of shooting off into the other area that I just walked away from. And hoping I hit a zombie. I'm assuming there's auto-aim. Because I always shot the zombie. But there's never yeah. a reassuring feeling. And I don't mean that in a good sense in horror. Where like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable right now. And I don't know if I'm going to make it. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Because this is really archaic and old feeling. Not because I had this sense of tension that I got in like Resident Evil 7. Where I'm in this house. And this guy is chasing me around. And I got to... You know, I can't kill him, but I need to, like, knock him out for a second so I can get it away and hide. And they, and I just feel like that was handled, obviously, so much better because just it's been 20 years. But it just it really took me out of the experience. Interesting. If you go back and look at the time. It makes sense why they did it, though. I get why they did made that right. choice. Yeah, Those pre-rendered backgrounds made this game visually stand out against everything else. Mm-hmm. Just because they were able to paint those backgrounds rather than have to render them in real time. Yeah. Interesting that that's what did it for you. I the the literal only reason why I did not finish this game mm-hmm. was because of the inventory management. I okay. which character did you play as Jill or Chris? Chris. Me too. So as Chris, you have six inventory slots. Does Jill have a different amount? Jill has eight. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Yes. So Chris is like the harder character to play as. Not necessarily. Chris has more health. Oh, okay. Chris also has a lighter on him where Jill does not, but Jill gets access to a grenade launcher, which Chris That's does not. handy. <laughs> yep. That's she also nice. has a lock pick that can pick easy to open doors, whereas Chris has to find old keys. Oh, okay. But the reason I I could not deal with the inventory is because of how obtuse this game is. This game is obtuse as fuck, and I actually kind of enjoyed that about it. The fact that you have this giant mansion, all of these doors mm-hmm. and random artifacts, like, if you think about the person living there and how fucking insane they must have to be to be like, oh, you know what? I think I want to go to the attic today. I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to grab this gold emblem, switch it out for the fireplace, and then go to the clock and switch the hands around, grab the key and go to the attic so I can just put something away. Like, the way that the entire house <laughs> set up is fucking bananas. <laughs> But I think it makes for some really cool exploration, retreading of certain areas. But when you can only carry six fucking things. Yeah. It really, it, like, 
I was I would get a key and I say, "Cool, I've got this key now." I don't remember which door it was. So now I'm just mm-hmm. I just I get a key. I'm going to go back and try every single door on the map. So that that's part of it too is what because for I sort of I sort of started the game three times this month because I kept getting lost in the mansion, not knowing if I had gone to a certain room, had I been in that door? Oh, there is a door over there. I didn't even realize there's a door over there. And knowing which doors were unlocked with what key, like all that made it so hard to explore. Yeah. I So I would I would get a key and I would go to every room, but then I would unlock a room. There'd be three mm-hmm. items in it. I'm like, well, fuck. I've got my gun. I've got my ammo. I've got the key. I've got the stupid wooden emblem that I picked up off the fireplace for some reason. Yeah. I've got my ink ribbons. I can pick up one of these three items. And that was before I could find the item box. But even after you get the item box, you're still going to make these h- tough choices where you only have one or two inventory slots open for things. So I actually I, – I went through. I but spent also, about – You also have to hold on to a few items as well. You do, yeah. Like it's not like you can just kind of throw things to the side, keep an empty uh, inventory. If you have an inf- empty inventory, you can't get to certain parts of the mansion. Right, because you you'll get across the mansion and be like, oh, this requires that thing that I picked up a long time ago. Glad I have it in my inventory. Or if you don't, then you're like, fuck, i got to go all the way back across the mansion to the box, put something else mm-hmm. away, pick that up, and go back, and then risk running into more things. Yeah. So I did not finish this game purely because I got about six or seven hours in. I beat the mansion, the first part of the mansion. Beat the yep. snake boss. Beat the crimson head down in the cemetery. And I was like, all right, how far into this game am I? And I look at a playthrough, and I see that I'm you're maybe, a, <laughs> maybe a third of the way through it. Maybe. Oh, you're like in the first part. So you're the, there's the mansion, then you're in the residence, and then you go back to the mansion, then you go to some tunnels, then you go to the lab. Yeah. Well, so I, few... well I looked at it like a, ga- a gameplay walkthrough, like a playthrough video, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was about a third of the way through the timeline of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've spent three and a half to four of these seven hours running back and forth to a loot crate. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I can't continue this. So what I did is I, I watched the rest of the game because, and we'll get to this in a second, I fucking loved everything else about the game. But I literally couldn't play it because of the inventory. And maybe if I chose Jill and I had two extra slots, that would have made it a little better. But I don't think that would have helped enough to make me finish this game. The the inventory didn't bother me that much, just because I, I think I expected it to be very restricted. How far did you get? I got to about the same point as you did, honestly. Yeah. Um, but, um, whatchamacallit, I did it like four or five times, but I did it. Um, which was I going to say? I, I knew it was going to be a restricted inventory system going into it, just because like, Resident Evil 7 was pretty restrictive as well. Um the genre as a whole is pretty tight on inventory. I did kind of have a, oh, only six slots. That's not a lot. Yeah. Uh, I did kind of have like that moment, but it never really bothered me too much. But when I was watching, because um, I did the same thing as you, I watched the rest of the game. I was watching it. There was like a point towards the end where you have these two books that both have el- emblems inside of them. So you have to carry those two books around with you to get to, to unlock the, the, the door, the main room of the mansion to go down below. Yeah. And, that's that's a, th- a third of your inventory they taken up. Like there are moments yeah. like that where you had to hold on to all these different items, and then you go to the obtuse part. Like I couldn't believe some of the things that I was seeing, uh, when it comes to story progression and how you get things to move along. So like you find a uh, a musical score, yeah, and then you have to um, 
give it to someone, uh, Rebecca, you have to give it to Rebecca, and then she doesn't know how to play it, so you have to, like, leave and then come back, and then she's figured out how to play it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to spend enough time to actually technically go through three doors and then come back, and then she's learned how to play Moonlight Sonata. What was the point of that? Like, and there was a few things like that in the game that kind of bugged me. The obtuse nature of it wasn't wasn't to my liking. And I had the same problem with, like, Super Metroid. We were playing Super Metroid, and I couldn't figure out how to get to this one area, and it's because I had to just walk through a wall. Like, how would oh, I have yeah, known that? It's that kind yeah. of stuff in this where it's like, because of this camera angle, I wouldn't have known that there was something over there for me to get. It was kind of hidden out of the way. Yeah. Or um, what was the other thing? It's like sometimes I would, because of the way the camera angle would change the um, the way your character is facing towards you or away from you, yeah. I would start walking into things by accident or actually like, <laughs> walk into a zombie once because I turned a corner and he was a different. It was at a different angle and I tried to avoid him, but that would have worked if I was in the other perspective, not the perspective I'm in with the zombie. So I get attacked by the zombie. In the game's defense, those fixed camera angles and the way that that traversal works yeah. was designed with tank controls in mind. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can't just turn a corner. You go to the corner, rotate, walk forward. Go to the corner, rotate, walk forward. Okay. So, yeah, you wouldn't have had that problem if we... Because I chose... I think you chose it, too. Updated controls versus the original controls. I don't think I did. I think I picked the original controls, but I don't remember. If you pick the original controls and you hit left on the left analog stick, you do not walk left. Okay. You spin left. Okay. Well, I was running into shit, so maybe I picked the updated controls. Um, did you enjoy any of this game? What, what parts did you enjoy? I mean, I think the, the mansion's a really cool setting. Yeah. I mean, as much as it was frustrating with things being obtuse, it does make for a good game setting to have this mysterious mansion that you're exploring and, and trying to piece together and figure out. Yeah. I just think I got more aggravated by it than I should have, that I should have been. Yeah. I think, I think this game was i love the cheesy the, dialogue the, as well the cheesy dialogue is a lot of fun oh yeah super cheesy did you see all the all the stupid like flv videos as well um mm-hmm. the this game when it came out along those same lines as everything else that came around like you got a game and you spent a lot of time with it so they want yeah. to make sure there's a lot of stuff there so i feel like part of the design was because they expect you to spend a ton of time trying to figure out where to go next because mm-hmm. the game's not super long because there are things you unlock for like completing it in less than three hours so I think nowadays that's not something we expect as modern gamers, but back then that made a whole lot of sense, which is why well, I'm going to spend fucking seven hours going back and forth between an item box trying to figure out where to put this blue emerald. Um, but with all of that in mind, I enjoyed almost everything else about this game. I really love the design of the mansion. I loved kind of the symmetric nature of it too. So whether you're on one side or the other, you know you have an item box somewhere, uh, it's kind of laid out kind of similarly, mm-hmm. but I I really did enjoy the fixed camera angles, and I thought they added to the suspense and the horror because you can't quite see what's over there, but you do hear something coming from over there, and you're like, fuck, do I take a step forward and switch the camera angle? Is it going to be right fucking there, or is it going to be down the hallway? I don't know. I think that adds to the suspense and the horror of it a bit, and I also enjoyed kind of along those same lines the use of mirrors in the game. I don't that know was part cool, of the original. Yeah. Or whether it's just part of the remake. But how you could be like, I'm in a room, 
And I know there's a hallway to the left, but before the camera angle switches, I can actually see the reflection of the zombie waiting there for me in a mirror. Or, I didn't get to this part physically, but there was a part uh, in the playthrough that I watched where he walks into a room and the one entire side of the room is a mirror. And then immediately, it just looks like you walk into the room and it's like, oh shit, there's a person. And you, like your instinct is to shoot it, but it's just you and a reflection of a mirror. That is cool. Um, so yes, I really loved that aspect of it. And I actually enjoyed the, almost like the entire mansion is a memory, like Mm -hmm. a a memory card game where you're like, I flip over this card and that's, oh, that's a a helmet. Where did I see the helmet key? Flip over this card. Nope, that's not the helmet card. Flip over this card. Nope, that's not the helmet card. I kind of enjoyed that a little bit, but not to the extent that I would spend so much time with it. If I knew where everything was and I knew what to get, like the people in the playthroughs that we watch... I feel like this would have been paced a lot more to what I'm used to and what I would have enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed the game, the, like the design elements of it and the horror of it. And I think that the, the controls, especially the tank controls, part of that is, and the shooting, part of it is like, I'm not certain if I'm shooting this thing or not. And I can't move very well, but I know it's moving towards me. And that scares the shit out of me. So, yeah, the whole... I didn't get scared a lot. Because I didn't find the enemies that troublesome did you run into any crimson heads no not in, not in my no i only ran into the normal zombies i saw the hunters uh in the the walkthrough that i was watching yeah. um the crimson heads are the ones where like if you don't burn the body or if you don't blow their head off oh then they yeah come yeah. back to life as a really fast strong ones yeah um but most of the time i wasn't even killing enemies i was walking around them. yeah and that's part of it, too. Like, the, the conservation, like, the survival aspect of it, too, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Like, choosing whether or not, am I going to shoot this guy? Or am I just going to run around him eight times as I go back and down this hallway a hundred times? Uh, am I going to use this herb? Or am I going to wait till I die a little bit more? I only have a finite number of ink ribbons. How often and where am I going to save? Like, I enjoyed that part of it. And part of that was, yeah, I'm going to try to avoid as many zombies as I can. Similar to in Resident Evil 7, where, like, you can avoid most of these black swampy creatures. The ink ribbon thing is one thing I'll say that it's a cool concept. Very cool concept. Doesn't hold up on a modern console, because I was just saving by putting my PS4 in rest mode. So I never really had that. I never used an ink ribbon. Because I was never at a point where... I needed to save because if I needed to save, I would just put my PS4 in rest mode. I only had to use, like, I would use them still because if I died, I would go back to my last save game. Oh, I see. Yeah. See, so like I when didn't... you go pick up the armor key and you, if you, because I was like, oh, there's the armor key and I pick it up and I didn't have the fake key at the time. I was like, well, shit, there's that spinning blade shield coming at me and I don't know what the fuck to do. And it just completely obliterates me like a blender. Oh, you can put the key back. Yeah, I know, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, what you put the key back? I didn't die. I never died. It's because you kept using rest mode and you didn't finish the game. Kept, kept using rest mode, yeah. That was also the part I was playing was the early part of the game as well, so it wasn't going to be harder. Um, but it, when I was watching the, the the walkthrough, I even went back and watched parts I'd already done before, like the snake part. Yeah. Um, if you watch a walkthrough of it, like if you know what you're doing, that guy walked in the room, picked up the item he needed, then just walked out. Yeah. Yeah, the combat is not difficult in this game. Not at all. Even the boss battles are hysterical to watch. There is, um, I so I'll say I watched um, IGN had a walkthrough video, and I watched that one. And when it came to Plant Forty Two, yeah, did you did you see see that? Yeah. How did your guy beat Plant Forty Two? 
He walked up to the second level and just kept shooting it as it opened. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but again, you can't see that you're shooting at it. You're just kind of hoping you're shooting it. Oh, no, he definitely, like, the person I watched, you could definitely see it. Oh, the person I went, you couldn't see the plant monster at all, but he just shot with his magnum. He got five shots, and it was dead. No. Yeah, I'm like, that was very underwhelming, and the final boss battle was very similar. Yeah. He has an extremely limited moveset. If you know what you're doing, yeah. I'm sure it would have taken a guess or yeah. two. And a lot of what made that seem easier was their resource um, uh conservation and just avoiding enemies and not using flash grenades and saving them when you really have to or you know saving your magnum ammo because it can be really helpful for the final boss that kind of stuff yeah so in our first playthrough i wouldn't have gotten that and i probably would have used all my magnum ammo and got to the final boss not had anything but like knowing that it is that easy and that because of how obscure this game is people are probably going to read a guide anyway i don't think that this game holds up as well as people who played this game in the 90s and love this game would think. Well, that's, that's going to be my it. next question. Do you think this deserves to be on the list of greatest games of all time? I've I've mentioned many times how I have, I have an issue with the, the 3D, the first 3D era of games, because I don't think a lot of those games hold up very well. But I don't feel comfortable taking it out of a greatest games of all time list because that started the survival horror genre yeah it it's solely responsible for it um that's a little silent hills as well as responsible but like it's a major you know player and we wouldn't have had the games we have nowadays in in a genre that i like a lot if it weren't for this game so i don't personally like it but i don't feel comfortable saying it doesn't deserve to be called one of the greatest games of all time like i don't like horizon zero dawn but I would still consider that one of the best games that you can get on a PlayStation 4 because I know how so many other people feel about that game. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I do think that it sets up enough and uh, like this, even the, the storytelling techniques and the sound design and the mansion and all of this stuff, I think it definitely contributes to earning its spot on the greatest games of all time, even if it's not something that I can ever physically get through. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the future of the Resident Evil franchise? Like, does this make you want to go play other Resident Evil games? Are you excited about or concerned about Resident Evil 2? So I'm, I'm excited about Resident Evil 2 because it's handling the thing I didn't like at Resident Evil 1, which is fixed camera angles. It is behind your character third-person game. Yeah. Um, really prefer that. Um, what it does make me want to go back and play the Resident Evil games for is seeing how it has evolved because it's like I remember playing Resident Evil Four, and that yeah. feels nothing like Resident Evil One, no, at all, nothing like it. Uh, but Resident Evil Seven shares a lot in common. Down oh to man, the I was structure. I was surprised how how much was borrowed from Resident Evil One for Seven. Like the, how when they said Return of the Roots, they literally meant like it's the same fucking plant. It is. It is. It. Um. I like that. It's the same fucking plant. That's a good. Um, Thanks. That's me. I made that up. <laughs> the structure is exactly the same. You spend probably about the same amount of time in the mansion that you do in the house in Resident Evil 7. They even have the same broken shotgun thing. Yep. The same thing. Replace the shotgun with the broken one. Same thing. It's all very similar. But I don't... I would go back and probably play... Um, I'll play the new two when it comes out, which means I'll probably avoid... 
uh, Resident Evil 2, the the original version of it. Yeah. But I might try Nemesis, Resident Evil 3. Um, I never beat Resident Evil 4, but I might go back to that. But I don't really have much interest in 5 or 6. They I... seem like different games. I So my my intro to Resident Evil was playing Resident Evil 4 on the Wii. Mm-hmm. And beat that game a couple of times. And it was wonderful. Played Resident Evil 5... And I actually I played that and beat it and enjoyed it a lot, but I think part of that might have to do with the fact that I played it co-op with my best friend in college. Oh, okay. But those are <coughs> what people consider. Excuse you. Thank those you. are what a lot of people consider cough, more action focused. I know that's why I didn't say bless you. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot more action focused than survival horror, and uh, then seven goes back to those elements a little bit. And I think seven's maybe the perfect blend of action and, and survival horror mm-hmm. because yeah. I think resident evil one might've been in too much survival horror for me. Yeah. Too much survival in the survival horror. Mm-hmm. But what that actually makes me want to do, I never played six because everyone was like, Oh my God, it's way too action focused. It's not even a horror survival game anymore. It's like, maybe I want to give that a shot now. Met someone recently who called it the best resident evil game. I, I've never played it. I've never played it either. I if it if everyone's like man it's so much different than Resident Evil One it's not even it shouldn't even call it like I don't know maybe I'd enjoy it yeah maybe I don't know I hear it's very but, on rails who knows no one knows because no one played it just kidding some people played it <laughs> Resident Evil Two the remake I looked into this from what it sounds like the original Resident Evil Two you do have two extra slots if you play as Leon you get eight if you play as I forget the other person was it it wasn't Jill I can't remember who it was anyway Claire. You get 10. Mm -hmm. I was like, is that enough that's going to make me feel good about this? But then apparently it looks like the inventory system works a little bit different. It's maybe more traditional to 4 through 7 where you do have a lot more slots. It's upgradable, things like that. And I was like, okay, I can probably get through 2. Other than that, it all looks great. And I actually watched like five and a half minutes of gameplay on IGN yesterday. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this shit looks scary as fuck. And I can't wait to play it. Plus the liquors. Have you ever seen video of the liquors? No. They're the zombies that are on the ceiling, and they oh, have the giant have seen long those, tongues. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited. Well, that was our experience with Resident Evil for Barf Backlog Accomplishments with Respawn and Friends. Holden, what is August's Barf? We are going to play Heavy Rain. Ooh, Heavy Rain recently free on PlayStation Plus. Yes. Actually, wait, was that recently or was yeah, that it was Beyond Two Souls? Uh, it was Beyond Two Souls first, then Heavy Rain was last month. That's right. Perfect. So be- Heavy Rain, available on PS4 and PS3. Played along with us. We'll discuss it at the end of the month. We have, however, one person who's going to win some money. Why are they going to win money, Holden? Uh, because we have a participation award. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have three ways that you can enter to win our participation trophy every single month. You can, once a week, refer a friend. Have them tweet us saying, hey, Bob referred me. Boom. Bob and friend get an entry. You can review us on a podcast service of your choice and send us a screenshot. You get an entry for that week. You can play along. Basically fucking do anything with us on Twitter. Send us a subscriber interrogative, a question that you want answered on the next podcast. Tell us your thoughts on the bar for the month. Send us some fan art. You can do really fucking anything more than just liking a tweet and boom you're entered in for that week you get of course one entry per each of those categories per week in our raffle and then at the end of the month we do a random number generator based on all of those entries to find out who wins 20 bucks to the gaming service of their choice this week we have 
eight entries. And we're about to have Siri choose a number for us. Are you ready? Drum roll, please, Holden. Hey, Siri. (laughs) Roll an eight-sided die. Ah, she picked eight, which is Tunic underscore Art on Twitter. You have won $20 to the gaming service of your choice. That is purely coincidental that it he was the winner of our last photo mode. Congratulations. Check your DMs, and we will send you a code. Let us know what you choose to buy with it and play, and maybe we will, uh, I don't know, fucking thank you again. <laughs> yeah. Colin, do we have any subscriber interrogatives this week? Nope. Do we have a poll? Oh, we do have a poll. I did a poll. You did a poll? I didn't see a poll. <clears throat> I did a poll. The poll this week had to do with Joy-Cons. Oh, I did see You this. did see this poll, you goddamn liar. I did see this. So, Joy-Cons. There was a recent announcement. We didn't talk about this on the episode, but uh, Hori, the official uh, licensed goddamn shit, they made an official licensed version of the D-pad, of a Joy-Con with the D-pad on the left side, missing some features. But we then put out a poll inspired by that saying, which new version of Joy-Con would you be most likely to get? Your options were a D-pad Joy-Con, a GameCube Joy-Con, the Views Joy Behar, or I'm fine with them now. Holden, do you know which one I'm, came in last place? I'm looking it up right now because I forgot what I chose. What, did, what came in last place? Last place was actually a tie between D-pad and the Views Joy Behar. Both with 14% of the vote. <laughs> then we have GameCube Joy-Cons came in second place with 29% of the vote. And then finally, most people... Including well, me. Yeah, including that I'm you, here. 43% say, I'm actually fine with them now. Mm-hmm. I am fine with them now. Interesting. Really I would good. have expected a lot more people want Joy Behar. I mean, she's loud. She's obnoxious. <laughs> What's not to like? That's us. That's why you listen to us, right? I think a lot of people just don't know who Joy Behar is. Really? Damn yeah. it. I thought that was going to be a good one. <laughs> no, I get it. It's it's funny, but I don't think people know who that is. Oh, man, oh, man, name, oh, man. Name me one person who you know that, like, doesn't just, like, know what the view is, but watches the view. Anyone who's been to my dentist in the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> my dentist has the view, the chew, all those stupid talk shows playing wait, on one the called, ceiling. Wait, you say it's called the chew or the jew? It's... it's <laughs> God, I hope there's the jew, but it's also... <laughs> The Chew. They cook a lot on the okay, show. Okay, that makes more sense. I thought it was a show called The Jew, and I'm like, oh, man, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little much. All right, everyone. That has been episode 70 of Respawn Aim Fire. Participate for our participation trophy, and you, like Tunic underscore Art, can be a winner. Tunic has won a few of these now. He has. He won the Mario photo mode. He won maybe one more a few months prior to that as well. Dude's Maybe's fucking rich. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's <laughs> loaded now. Dude, so loaded. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking about reviews from games from the previous month in our leaderboard session. We are going to be, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe talking about Overcooked 2. Will that be out by then? No, probably not. No, it won't. No. Cool. Cool. Until next time, guys. Good night. Uh, Bye-bye. And also good afternoon and good morning and Truman Show. And good luck.